I invite you to hear this reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Well, he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose... One of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and for everyone who searches, they will find. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the Word of God. Well, a few weeks ago, we were talking about uh, this series of, uh, or this emphasis on uh, Acts 2.42 that your elders and ministers have put before us here at Johnson Street and talking to Jake about this, and we decided that today would be the day to talk about prayer, and so that's been sort of on my mind about prayer, and then I got busy this week, and I think it was Thursday morning, Jake sent an email saying, where's the text, where's the title for this sermon? So I came up with some wonderful title, right, uh, Prayer in the Presence of God or something like that. And uh, there were several texts floating around in my head, and uh, so I picked Luke 11. And uh, after I made that commitment, then I began to think, okay, so what are you going to say about this this Sunday? So one of the exercises that I did thinking about prayer, because prayer is such a 
big thing was to look and see what it was that I've said about prayer somewhere in my past. And so I did a little search on my laptop and found folder after folder over the last 25 or 30 years of, of materials on prayer, prayer, series of sermons on prayer, Bible class studies on prayer, uh, blocks of material to train people on various forms of prayer, and on and on it goes. Uh, prayer is a big thing. It's a really big thing. Along the way, I found this story and was reminded of this story that I think really speaks well of, of how broad and how big prayer is and perhaps how important it is for us to say a word about prayer today. In 1952, the physicist Albert Einstein gave a lecture at Princeton where he was a professor. And after the lecture, one of the doctoral students that was there in the audience had a question for him. In fact, he was asking the question that every graduate and dis- uh, graduate student, every doctoral student uh, is, has to ask, and that is, what in the world is left for me to do my doctoral tis- dissertation on? Um, and in that moment, and this has been well uh, attested to, it's a surprising and remarkable response, Einstein replied and said, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Isn't that a remarkable statement? There's much to be said about prayer. There's lots of things that could be talked about with regard to prayer. And I was a little overwhelmed these past few days thinking, what would I say about prayer? But then this text, which I gave to Jake, calls me. And prompts me. And so I'm going to try to stay right within this text and say one thing about prayer this morning. To do that, I want to start with just this fundamental sort of claim, and that is that everybody prays. Everyone has been called to prayer. Every one of us have been designed to pray. That the way in which human beings have been sort of put together makes us praying people. That prayer or adoration or pursuing a connection with someone or something that's bigger or larger than ourselves is a universal sort of experience. Every human culture from the dawn of humankind prays to someone or pursues something. Even in our secular age, among those who question the the presence of a Judeo-Christian God, still find wide ranges of meaning in pursuing something that might look a little like prayer. Whether it's yoga, or meditation, or Tai Chi, or the adoration of science, or the idolization of some ideology that drives and uh, takes people forward, all drive home the reality that we are drawn to that which is bigger than ourselves. That there's something larger that we give ourselves to. Even for those who claim that there is no God, there still is this haunting notion, but what if there is? And what if he might exist? So we can echo the words of the literary critic some 100 plus years ago, Thomas Carlyle, who would say to a friend, prayer is and remains the native and deepest impulse of the soul of humankind. So we pray. We are praying people. We've been designed that way. And we long to connect with that which is beyond us. And most of us, I think, enter into the world of prayer as small children. 
Like children, we do so with a sense of wonder and expectation when we have our little talks with God. We pray for something and then to wait and see if God delivers. It makes little difference what that little thing is or big thing is. We, we ask and we look to receive. This, this kind of prayer is what I call Aladdin's lamp prayer. You know, you get your lamp out and you rub it a little bit, hoping the genie will appear. You ask, you make your request, and your quests are granted. We summon God up to do our bidding. That prayer becomes a blank check signed by the Almighty that we carry around in our pockets to fill out any time we have need of something. I think most of us go through some stage of that kind of praying. And most of us, Leah even, I think almost all of us, sooner or later find out that that kind of prayer, that kind of definition of prayer, does not hold water. There comes that point when we pull out our Aladdin's lamp and we rub on it and we make our requests and our prayers are not answered. They're not heard. They fall out of the sky like a stone. They come back to us uh, un, un, like an address, like a letter, address uh, unknown, return to sender. We find our prayers being cold and unconnected to anything that we'd hoped and desired for. We prayed for our mother to get well, and she didn't. I prayed for the job to come to pass that I had earnestly hoped for, and, it, and someone else got the position. We have all these experiences where our prayer lives and our requests uh, come to naught. And we find ourselves struggling. We struggle even with these kinds of texts, like Luke chapter 11, where we hear... Uh, Jesus saying, ask and it'll be given to you. And we go, well, that's good, that's good. But I've got an experience that that didn't happen to. Just didn't happen. And we read all about this business about persistence. And we kind of wonder about this. In fact, I was reading this in the truck coming down this morning. And Vicki piped off and said, any person who was my friend knocking on my door at midnight would not be my friend. There's something wrong here, <laughs> Right? Uh, the story about persistence and we we scratch our head with that a little bit what what do you mean persistence we keep getting these no's you keep knocking your head against the wall you quit sooner or later you just don't ask so what's going on why is it that we are called on to pray and what is prayer when we find ourselves in this transactional mode of asking And sometimes getting, asking, and sometimes not getting. What's going on with all of that? Well, I'd like to to wrestle with that a little bit. This text is one that's well worth wrestling, it seems to me. These verbs may give us a clue. Ask, seek, knock. I think we get the ask part pretty well. That's what we learned as children. We ask, and we hope to receive. We ask for something, we get something. We ask for a a fish, and we get a fish, not a snake. We hope for that. Uh, This kind of asking we we kind of get. But then we kind of glaze over the next one of these verbs, the verb seek, to seek. And I'm kind of like Vecini in The Princess Bride. I don't think we know what that means. Inconceivable, isn't it? we might not know what it means or at least for me 
maybe I can get at it this way, I'm not sure I always know what seek means. I'll put it that way. I'll, I'll leave you out of this for a moment. Because when I'm like the good brother who prayed at the ta- uh, for our, our offering today, I'm always losing my keys, and I'm often misplacing my cell phone. In fact, it's pretty common for that to happen. And you know what I first do in my seeking? I'm seeking, and I cry out, Honey, where did I leave my phone? As if she knew where it was at. Or, Honey, where's my keys? And I do this kind of glance around the room, and then I'm hollering for her help. That's not seeking. That's not seeking. And she reminds me of that in a, such a wonderful spirit where she kind of, she walks in and says, dear, it's probably the last place where you had it. And she walks over to my chair and finds it in the seat where it fell out of my pocket or at the back door where I threw it in the bowl that's there for the keys so I will remember where they're at. Because I'm not sure whether I'm getting older or not, but my memory is going too. Uh, This business of seeking is not just to kind of like, well, kind of glance around the room. Seeking is deep, deep pursuit. It's missing something and being willing to tear the sheets off the bed and all the way down to the mattress covers, as if this might might have happened in our house once or twice, looking for something. Or seeking means tearing uh, the plumbing out from underneath the sink because uh, a piece of jewelry has gone missing in the hopes that maybe it's in the pee pipe underneath. That's seeking. It's this intentional, deep, strong, persistent searching for something that matters to us. That's what seeking is. This is not some sort of, hey, I've got a blank check here. I'd like to fill this out now to get my uh, sweepstakes back. No, there's something deeper here. There's, there's something deeper not only about asking, seeking, but also this business of knocking. To knock on a door implies the possibility of the door opening and being able to walk into the presence of someone else. You see, I think what Jesus is after here What Jesus is inviting us into is moving beyond a transactional understanding of prayer. I ask for something and I get something to something so much deeper. My dad died eight years ago, eight and a half years ago now. And there's not a day that goes by when I don't miss my dad. He wasn't a perfect father, but there were many things that he did that, gift, that he gifted to me. I can remember being uh, 12 years old on my 12th birthday, opening up this big long box, and out came a 22 single-shot bolt-action rifle. Wonderful. Man, day of days. What a wonderful gift. Or being 16 and getting the keys to a well-used and well-loved but it was mine, a 1970 Nova, Chevy Nova, with a six-cylinder engine in it. Woo! Straight six with a manual three-speed column on the column. I, I, it was a wonderful gift, a wonderful gift to me. And I can name other things that my father gave to me. But you know what I miss? I, I don't miss the car particularly. I have pleasant memories of it. I... Uh, Uh, don't miss well I'd miss the rifle because I've given it to my son now (laughs) but he's got it 
and that's good. But you know what I miss? I miss being in junior high school and my dad picking me up every Thursday to go get a hamburger and tater tots and a chocolate malt at the local drive-in store. And spending time, 45 minutes or so, in the car with my dad just talking. I miss that. I miss my dad's presence in my life. That's what I miss. Isn't that what really matters? Is life really simply comprised of things, cars, homes, jobs? Or is it not the relationships in our lives? God is inviting us into a relationship with him. Ask, oh sure, ask for stuff. Seek, yes, pursue things that are more beyond just those things, tangible things in life. But knock, knock on the door of my heart and it will be open to you. God longs to be in relationship with us. I don't know how, how to make that sing to us. Uh, a few days ago, I did a little search on relationships. I went to Amazon and I typed in relationships, books on relationships. 440 1,441 books came up on the screen. We long for relationships, people. And all the while, God is saying to us, come, come, ask, seek, and knock, and all will be open to you. See, the business about prayer is an invitation from us to move beyond the transactional realities, which as children... I loved, I loved asking my dad for stuff. Sometimes he'd say no, sometimes he'd say yes, and God does that with us as well, does he not? But what God longs for, what my father longed for, and what I long for for the people in my life is to be with them, to walk with them, to experience life with them. That's what God is inviting us into. That's what prayer is all about. It's being in the presence of God. I mentioned Karl Barth last week, that German theologian. I'll tell another story about him since I'm on the theme. Uh, he, near the end of his life, as he was writing the, f- the fourth part of the fourth volume of his systematic theology, just volume after volume after volume, he didn't get it quite finished. He died uh, before he could completely finish it. But as he was summing it all up, he was trying to find a way to say, this is what matters about ethics. And uh, he knew that he wanted to talk about baptism and the importance of baptism. He knew he wanted to talk about the Lord's Supper and the importance of, 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 the, Lord, uh, of the Lord's Supper. And uh, in the near the end of his life, it came to him what needed to be there as well. You know what it was? It was prayer. It was Calling upon God, that was the thing. And so sandwiched in uh, his last volume, uh, after he talks about baptism, and before he talks about how we come to be uh, members of the body of Christ, and before he talks about the community and life that we share together at the table, he inserts the practice of prayer, of calling upon the name of the Lord, of invocation was his $64 word for this, that prayer stands in the middle of our life and our practice with God. And this business about prayer is not something complex. It's not something, uh, it, it, it enters actually into the most ordinary ways of our life. To be able to pray in ordinary moments of our day, 
I know that maybe we pray at dinner time or gathered around the table when we're around a table to pray, but there is so much more of our lives that could be entered into this business of being in relationship with God. What about those moments when you uh, climb into the shower in the morning and you start to wash your hair, or, well, some of you wash your hair? It's a wonderful time to pray. What about the time that it takes you to, when you start your engine on your car and you, before you get to work, there's a commute. It may be seven minutes, it may be 70 minutes, but that's a time to pray. What about the time that you take at a break at lunch? What about it when your phone goes off at 2.42 in the afternoon? What about the time in the evening before you go to bed? There, there are all kinds of places. When you take that jog in the afternoon to work out, is a time to be in the presence of God. Just simple things. Talking about simple things. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray in such simple language that's so profound that it still shapes our worship and life today. Our Father, the one in the heavens, you're special, hallowed is your name. It's your will that I want to live out, Lord, not mine. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We make our special little requests, but they're ordinary requests. Just give me what I need today because I know that you're going to have me taken care of for tomorrow help me deal with the struggles of my life keep me from evil lead me not astray forgive me as I practice the kind of forgiveness that you offer and then the way the church has ended that prayer for so many hundreds and hundreds of years a reminder that that, uh, we've been invited into the throne room of the eternal one because kingdom and power and glory, it's not mine, it's yours. In simple, simple ways, we enter into discourse with the one who opens up his heart to us and invites us in. Church, I invite you to be people of prayer because God longs to be in relationship with us. Would you bow? And then we'll stand and sing in a moment. Eternal God, you who walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, you who took long walks with Enoch, you who would visit Abraham and Sarah as they sat in their tents on the plains of Mamre, you who would come and wrestle with Jacob like Uh, like a pair of wrestlers all night long. You who would spend the dark midnight hours with our Lord and Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. From time immortal, you have longed to be in conversation with your people. Help us in this hour. Hear the invitation that comes from this text knowing that you'll be faithful, more faithful than just simply giving us milkshakes or 22 rifles or old cars, that you have promised to give us your Holy Spirit, your presence, your very being. May we respond and be people who seek and knock and ask in your presence. 
Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand and sing.